The Lord is with you, and the blessing of God embraces you, everyone. I would like to quickly thank all of you who have been contributing. You know that we send this program out to the entire world every week, and we do so free of charge. And uh, those of you that have contributed have become part of that ministry that blesses persons who will never be able to afford to pay anything. So thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And tonight I want to um, try to bring together into some sort of coherence how we live a carefree life. Some weeks ago we began by looking at that text, casting all your care upon him, he cares for you. And we we followed that through. And now, how do I, how do I, practically speaking, in the middle of this crazy world in which we live, how do I live a carefree life? So I, I want to read from Psalm 69 and verse 29. If you read the whole psalm, you will see that David is uh, experiencing a very bad time in life. And he comes to verse 29 and he says, But I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. And it is that last phrase that I I want to attend to. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. And just to get a, a bigger context, yet in Psalm 34, and again, it is a psalm written Uh, right uh, after a time of extreme trouble that David had been in. And he writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And in this, as we we seek to bring together all of these truths that speak to our heart and bring us to a lifestyle of peace and joy in God, understand the Holy Spirit is our guide and our teacher, our enlightener, and the one who enables us. I, I say that because this is not a formula. It's not a formula. If you try to find a formula in what I'm saying, it will just go like a deflated balloon. I am speaking about this relationship, relationship with the Father and Son, and that relationship is in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God who dwells within you and reveals in you the Lord Jesus and the Father, and brings us to this that we're seeking to understand, life that is carefree. So, the carefree life that is in Jesus through the Holy Spirit, it is, it's a shift in focus, because the old life we used to live before we came to know Jesus was a life focused on ourselves. But this life, this life in Christ, it's no longer our self that relates to the problem, to the challenge, the opportunity, or the trauma. Uh, We relate to it now in and through the very eyes of Jesus. And that equals the life of carefree living. Now, this life is described in both of these texts, and I could have quoted quite a few others too, but it's enough to get us started. It's described as magnifying him. Now, sit back and really think. We, we might have used this term many times, magnify the Lord, 
But what does it really mean? Well, the word magnify, what is it? It means to make great, right? Um, you, you magnify something, you make it great, you make it large. Now, if we say magnify the Lord, uh, of course, we understand it is not making a small God look and appear bigger than he is. Of course not. <clears throat> but to magnify God is making the God who is limitless love, limitless ability, infinite wisdom, who in the eyes of many and sometimes ourselves appears to be small. But what we are doing in magnifying the Lord is to make him as big as he truly is. And so I see the intricate beauty of God. I see his incredible wisdom. I realize his value and wealth. I, I, I realize his majesty and his honor, as well as his ability that all things are possible with him. I recognize the unlimited importance and significance that he has in our life. That is to magnify him. That is, if he has become small in my estimation, I now magnify him to be as big as he truly is in our lives. You see what you see? It's not exaggerating God's person. You can't exaggerate the one who is limitless and infinite. I tell you what it is like. It, it is magnifying in a telescopic sense. You know, there are many ways to magnify, but the telescope is really what we're talking about. A telescope um, brings something far away into immediate focus and clarity, right? So, so I look up at the sky and I see this little white speck. Well, if I get the Hubble telescope on that, I realize it's not a white speck at all. In fact, it's more like a jolly galaxy and it's filled with color and the amazing things that God has done in outer space. Um, but I needed the telescope to magnify, not to make something small big, but to realize something that was so vast but so far away, and I bring it into focus. You see, let, let's understand this. Uh, for multitudes of believers, and I say this kindly, and uh, in a, a real sense, many of us, in the distractions of life, uh, our, our God, in, in terms of how we think of him and, and the, the, uh, the way we, we look at God in our circumstances, really, sometimes he is as small as a dime store trinket God, you know, something you would buy for a dime. Um, no. God is bigger than our lives. He's bigger than every detail of our lives. He's bigger than everything that will ever happen in our lives. And to magnify him is to intentionally, did you notice here, David said, I will magnify the Lord. It's intentional. I'm going to see him in this situation as big as he truly is. I don't know if you know it, but hallelujah is a Hebrew word that we've never translated. Hallelujah, um, it's made of the Hebrew word hallel, and then yah, hallel yah, and it means, hear me, it means to boast. In fact, more than boast, really, it means to swell with pride, one could almost describe it as the grandfather that insists on getting out his billfold and showing you the thousand pictures of his grandchildren. Um, it, it's boasting with a sort of radiance, and it's swelling with pride. But this boasting and this swelling with pride is in the greatness of God. 
That, that's magnifying. To really hallelujah is to magnify the Lord and to boast of him as he is in this situation that I find myself in. Now, to magnify, we, we magnify by placement. That is where in our mind and in our focus, in our attention, where we place something. Um, that which fills our vision, that which we give focus and attention to in our imagination, in our thoughts, in our feelings, and then, of course, in our words and action, that is what is magnified to us. Let me put it like this. Here is is a, I mean, just a piece of paper. I mean, that's it. It's a piece of paper and a small piece to boot. Now, if I place this little piece of paper over my eye, I can't see all of the lights that are in this studio. Now, that, that's really a very, very simply what I mean. That though a thing be so small, so insignificant, so essentially absolutely nothing, yet if I have placed it right in front of my eye and therefore give all my focus and attention to it, it blots out everything else. Now, there's so many things from the minute you get out of bed and sometimes before you've even gotten out of bed, things, stuff, distractions, pressures, they they come and they're like a little piece of paper because if you take them by themselves, they're absolutely nothing really. But we put them in front of our inner eyes and that's all we can see. And by the time our feet hit the floor, we're already becoming anxious over these little non-things. Well, to magnify the Lord, and of course, Lord there should be translated, I am, to, to magnify, I am, to become as big as he truly is, is simply to remove the piece of paper and let him be himself, filling our attention and focus. But, but let me go on. Um, how, do we, how do we do that? I mean, how do I move those stupid little distractions that are going to make my life a, a living anxiety? How do I move them? We do so by magnifying the I am. The, the unlimited God who is love. I magnify him, and it says there in the text in Psalm 69, we magnify him by thanksgiving. So you don't just say, well, I, I'm not, I'm not going to think about this. Well, the moment you say that, you you give it twins. You You think about it all the more. Anything you say, I will not think about it, you're thinking about it by not thinking about it that makes sense. No, you don't. You don't. You, you'll never stop thinking of your distractions. You, you will never stop yourself thinking of the pressures. We magnify the Lord by thanksgiving. We replace our focus. Thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving, that, that arouses many interesting ideas. When do you give thanks? You give thanks when you are receiving a gift. Do you understand that? If you've earned it, if there is something you have done by which you now deserve it, that's not strictly speaking thanksgiving. You've earned it. But I'm giving thanksgiving it is because I see him as the all-giver, and we are the receivers. Thanksgiving is locked in to him giving, us receiving the gift and responding in thanksgiving. 
And of course, this is not impersonal gifts, stuff, things. It is we are giving thanks for who he is. All thanksgiving in the scripture is directed to the person of God. And, and, and we're thanking him for being who he is. Thanking him for being the kind of God he is. And so we remember him. We bring him into our uh, distracted lives. And we remember that he is the self-giver. He gives himself to us in totality. He gives himself into the very details of our life. And we remember that. And as we remember and we give thanks, we find that all the other distractions fade away. We magnify him by thanksgiving, and we give thanksgiving by remembering. You know, David said, Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. What about Psalm 77 in verse 11? It says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work. I will muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. And then he goes on, What God is great like our God? He's standing just just looking at all that God is and all that he has done and revealed himself. Uh, and it, it, it's, wow, what God is great like our God. You are the God who worked wonders. You have made known your strength among the people. You have by your power redeemed your people. Have you ever just sat out there on the porch with a cup of coffee and remembered the greatness of God? See, this isn't praying. There's a time to pray. But all all praying should spring out of magnifying God. Otherwise, all you are is a whining victim. And I need this and I need that and I need the other. As if you're going to uh, have this love tryst with the God who loves you and all you do is bring a grocery list. No, no, we, we go just to be and, and to recognize the greatness of God. Remember his love. You could spend all day doing that to realize and just let it be within you that you are the beloved of God. Remember his grace that he has gifted you in every area of your life. His faithfulness he's never let you down. He is in your life, the all things are possible ability. That's your God. And he's always with us. I will never leave you, never forsake you. If God be for us, who can be against us? He's with us, he's for us, he's toward us, and he dwells in you. Sip your coffee and let that, let the Holy Spirit be your teacher of how great God is, and ask him for nothing right now. Just remember into your life. Remember the incarnation. You you should never be able to get over that. You should never be able to think of the incarnation and say, ho-hum, the incarnation, when the unlimited God becomes one of his own limited creatures, without ever ceasing to be God, in order that he might know intimately, personally, by his own feeling and touch, the life that you live, so that he's been tempted in all ways like as you. Remember the incarnation, that he became as you in order to take you to the cross and and rise out of death. Remember... He loved you and gave himself for you. You see, that's thanksgiving. That's magnifying God with thanksgiving. It is just thanking him for being who he is. And of course, wherever you find yourself in life, today, tonight, 
is that he he has a specific promise for where you are. He he has a promise for the moment. And so as you magnify and remember and the Holy Spirit brings you that promise, mull over it. Don't read so quickly. Let, let, it, let it sink in. Savor it. The promise that God is now in this day making to you. That the Hebrew word for thanksgiving is also the word uh, for confession. And <clears throat> confession, of course, as I've told you many times, is a Latin word that we, we've got into English. C-O-N, con means with, and, and fashion, it's saying together with. And so thanksgiving is saying together with God all that he says concerning himself. It, it, it is saying it in sync so that there's harmony. You, you are thinking what God thinks. You are expecting what God expects. You, you, you are reveling in who God is because you are one with his word. You, you might look at Ephesians chapter 1, the first, what, 14 verses, I believe. Uh, and that is, Paul is magnifying the Lord and he's doing so with thanksgiving. Remember how it begins, um, the blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And then he goes on to enumerate, and, and, and he, his words tumble over each other. He speaks about the grace of God, but he speaks about the lavish grace. How And every other word he's saying, oh God, you're beyond thought here. You're taking me into my own outer space. I don't know how to handle this, as he goes over and goes over and goes over all that God has done for him. And so thanksgiving, it means I am living in, in the gift. I'm living in the, the... I'm not trying to earn anything. I'm not trying to attract God's attention. I'm reveling in the fact I live in that attention. I'm not trying to deserve something. I'm recognizing He's already given all. And, and so thanksgiving is that we joyfully... Of course, this is where joy on top of joy comes in when you really understand his love toward you. You joyfully take your place, your place. You're the receiver of all gifts, and you know it, and you're comfortable there. And you say, I'm nothing without you. And you say that with joy, not groveling, not, not saying, I'm unworthy, I'm a No, no. It's a simple fact. Oh, what a glorious fact. I'm nothing without you. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Well, I say, amen. That's right. I'm nothing without you. But in the gift of your very self, into me, I dwell in abundance. I'm ready for all things. That's magnifying him. And if you're going through a time of, well, anxiety, a time of trauma, it might be you magnify him by saying, I'm at the end of my rope. That's what many of the Psalms are saying. I'm at the end of my rope. I've got nothing, nothing to give, but you are my all and in all. I say it again, we, we confess, we give thanks, not with groveling, but with ecstatic praise. And so we receive the gift of himself with great joy. We, we fill our lives with thanksgiving, recognizing him in all times and all places. What about Ephesians 5.18? You know it, but now, again, I say, let savor it. Let it get inside you. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
to God, even the Father. And and he, he is saying, in the midst of all things, wherever you find yourself, let your heart focus, attention turn to him and give him praise. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Or what about 1 Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And we're giving thanks for who he is. Therefore, we do not wait necessarily for the manifestation of whatever he's going to do in this situation. Um, I, I, I find myself in this place. Well, I, I don't know how he's going to show his love here. I do not know how his faithfulness is going to be made manifest. But I'm thanking him for being him, and I know he can never change. And therefore, I can give thanks before I have seen what he's about to do, before I see the promises of made fulfilled in my situation, I can begin to give him thanks and magnify him. Do you remember Abraham? He, he's, you know, he, he's called the father of faith. He, he's the one who was the first to carve out the, this lifestyle. And, and he had received a promise, you know, crazy promise. Um, he didn't receive the promise till he was around, what, 70, 75, somewhere in there. And um, he, he was going to have a son, and his wife was going to be the mother of that son. But, uh, I mean, they're old already, and they have not had children, and yet the promise was there. And, and in Romans 4.19, it traces... Um, how he handled that, which could have become a very anxious time. I've got a promise, and everything in my life and future hangs on that promise, but nothing's happening. But instead, it says, and without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. So he's not in denial. He looks at his own body, now advanced in years, and as it says here in Romans 4, contemplated his own body, now as good as dead. <laughs> you know, old man, since he was about 100 years old, this is already 25 years after he received the promise. And then he looked at his old wife, who was around 90 years old, and he says he contemplated the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he's in full awareness of the impossibility of his situation. Yet, he says, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. Glory being magnifying God being fully assured that what he, the Lord, had promised, he was also able to perform. And so we magnify the Lord. We magnify the Lord where we find ourselves. We magnify the Lord sometimes in the middle of the darkness. But we magnify him because he, in the totality and unchangeableness of himself, has given himself to us. So, a carefree life is one that magnifies the Lord in all situations. But let's, let's look at it from a different angle. A carefree life, by magnifying the Lord, well, we, we do not then demagnify the Lord by judging a situation. Now, please uh, listen very carefully to what I'm saying here. The flesh, you know, my, my mortality, my, my humanity that would uh, seek to take over. Um, it, it's my wannabe self. It was crucified with Christ. 
And that's where we choose to let it be. I am a new creation. But always there's that. The flesh operates from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's his base. My flesh almost has a tree house in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, and this word evil and the word good, actually, they're, they're not the best translation of, of the Hebrew word. When we say evil, we think of moral evil. And then, of course, moral good. The, the word here for evil, it would be better translated as labor, hard labor. It would be hardship. Um, you know, in fact, he's going to say after they ate of that tree, um, he describes Adam as now working in the sweat of his brow. That is, it will be hard to impossible to get the ground to cooperate with you as you try and grow food. Um, well, that's, that's really what it's saying here. I tell you, Jesus made reference to it in Matthew 11 when he says, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And that, that gets to what this is talking about. And so it's unpleasantness in that it's hard, it's laborious, it's a hardship. Sometimes it hurts. It's, we don't want it. That, that's, that's really what it is. It, it brings with it a, a threat of hurt when, when you think you're going to do whatever it is that we're talking about, then the threat comes up. In fact, written right into it is, I can't. I am not. I don't have it. It's too big for me. You, you get what it's saying. You eat of this tree and you are going to enter into a life of labor and working, but not achieving the rest you're looking for. And the word good could be over against that. It means uh, pleasant, restful, you see. It is, it is what you, you would look for. And so the tree of the knowledge of good and evil plunged us into a life where we're always trying to achieve the rest that deep inside of us we remember from the Garden of Eden but, of course, we don't have it anymore because of the lie that said, you shall be as God, which means it's upon my shoulders. It's, it's burdening me down that I am responsible. I have got to make life. I have got to achieve life. I have got to bring us to rest and to peace. I've got to get rid of my guilt, and so on and so on. That's, that's legalism, of course, but legalism springs directly from the lie of Satan that you shall be as God. You will handle this. And so the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, was the gateway in, into this whole way of seeing existence. And so I say judging, that is, we come upon situations, any situation, situation of trauma, but a situation of threat, a situation of opportunity, a situation of challenge, whatever. And we judge it. We judge it. We judge it as evil. That is, we judge it as a threat we, we, we see it as producing a lifestyle of pain and hurt and hardship. When I say judge, that's not merely an opinion. It's not, not merely saying, well, this is how I see the situation. It, it, it's not discernment. No, judging means that you move to action. You're going to do something about this. You're going to condemn the situation. You're going to remove it so we can get some peace around here. 
See, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil called upon the human to act, to work, to do, to reach a goal. Whereas the tree of life, the one that Adam didn't touch, the tree of life, well, it doesn't say the tree of life and unlife. It's just the tree of life. And life, well, there's only one place where I receive life. God himself is the source of all life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the life. He's the one who was dead, but behold, I am alive. I am life. Life that is transcendent to all death. I conquered it. He's he's the life and he offers the gift. He owns it. And, And so he gives it cannot be worked for, only received. No, mankind and and the the very flesh of humanity uh, gravitated to the tree where I work for it. I I am a God in myself and I'm going to work my fingers to the bone and my brain to distraction in order to get this and bring about rest and peace and safety. So to judge a situation... Judge what is happening. Judge a person for doing or saying, um, we judge it, that, that's evil, that's a threat, that's going to bring disruption, that's going to bring the tornado of chaos. Well, once we judge it, we entangle with it. That is, we place it in front of our eyes. It becomes, it takes over our imagination and our thoughts and our feelings. It becomes the focus of all our times and attention. And of course, in so doing, it becomes exaggerated. And we become demeaned. We become smaller before it. In fact, our very physical bodies and our behavior come under its authority and control. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is anxiety, you see. That's where it comes from. We, we look at a situation. I'm responsible for this. Well, any decent God would say that, I suppose. I, and now I've got to do something about it. Well, you, you can't. The thing is exaggerated before your eyes. And, and you, you, you don't have it. You don't. You're a derived creature. And the only way you can live and move is to receive your life from God. And if I think I'm God, I've got to handle this. It's, it's, it's dead before we've arrived. Here we are. And we, we look now at the situation that fills our vision. And it rises up depending on what kind of chap we are. We're going to fight it. We're going to flee from it. Or we're going to stand there like a deer in the headlights and freeze. And out of it now come a whole family of emotions, anger, frustration, of course, fear and anxiety, base of all. Negative conversation. Because it invades all our perceptions of life. And everything we see now is going wrong. We complain. We gossip. And we find people to blame for bringing this upon us. And if it wasn't for them, and if only they hadn't been there, it wouldn't have been like this. And how many people then blame God? And some don't exactly come and blame him, but they act like a prosecutor, like, a, you know, you're, you're interrogating a witness and you ask a God, why did you do this? Why? As if, as if he's in, in the witness box and you're the attorney questioning him, blaming him. Why? Because it had to be your fault, see? There it is. It's, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil brings me to I am not, I cannot, I should not, condemnation, guilt. It, we're sucked into a black hole of being the victim and with it a fearfulness, sometimes panic. You know, there, there are some people who in, in the middle of this, their very body is shaking. 
What will happen? What will we do? What's going to, what will we come to? I don't know any good. What's happened? You see, the tragedy is I, I'm speaking of believers here. Uh, it, it, it's not just unbelievers. The, I, I talk now to persons that can understand me when I talk about magnifying the Lord. And yet you get into these situations. God has become demagnified. He's become just a white speck in the darkness. An irrelevant non-player, as if we've benched him for this one. Look, that situation that has been judged as the threat, the evil. How, how can I? It simply is. See, we, we don't need to go into the world of judging it and naming it and identifying it as an evil, a threat, because then you get entangled in it. Come on, sit, sit back. It just is. You know what I mean? You could... It is. You don't, you don't have to judge it as to what, what it's doing in life. It, it, the situation is. You see, you can't change the past. And if you unised it, you'd have to change the past. No, it's a consequence of the past. It, it is what the past has made it. It is. And like it or not, here we are in the middle of it. We don't magnify it by judging and giving it an identity for us to deal with it. it just is. You, you'll have to let the Holy Spirit really open your eyes to this one. I, I was, I had a haircut the other day, you might have noticed. Um, and, and I had this crazy thought. I was thinking about this. And, and you know, after, after they'd finished doing my hair, they, they get the mirror and they, you know, go around your head so you can see it in the, in the mirror, the mirror to the mirror. And, and I had this crazy thought when the hairdresser said, well, is everything okay? I, I, I wanted to say... No, it isn't. Would you please put the hair back? <laughs> Stupid, yes. But I was thinking about this, you see. Whatever I think about my hair, it's a bit late to judge it because it is. A and if the hairdresser had taken too much off, well, all I can do is let it grow. Uh, I can't... Do you realize all the anxiety and, and rage and fear and frustration wouldn't change anything? It just is. So, we, we, that's the first step. You've got to get out of this judging mode. You're not denying it, nor are you saying, well, everything's okay. No, now you're judging it again. Now, now, now you're, but you're judging it in reverse. And you're saying it's good when you jolly well know it isn't. No, that, that you're back into judgment again. I'm not saying deny it, nor am I saying to tell lies about it. I'm saying step out of that mode which belongs only to those who think they're God to judge it. Rather, focus your attention not on the situation but we're back to it. Focus your attention on him who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Lord of the situation, who is at this very moment working in the situation, his love, power, purpose for good. Did you get that? So when I say the situation is... I don't mean that I'm just being a blah and saying, it. you know, I, I remove myself, I deny. No, I'm not saying that. Nor am I saying that you tell lies and say it's all good. No, I didn't say that either. I said, 
Take the piece of paper from your eye by magnifying the Lord and declaring with thanksgiving that he is at this very minute in the midst of this situation working all things together for his good. We, we, we direct our focus on him who is the Lord of the situation and upon all his promises and all his commitments and gift of himself to us. Incidentally, that is what in the Old Testament is called seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord is not searching for him. Seeking the Lord is redirecting all your attention away from what has happened to him who is above and beyond and under and around all happenings. We magnify him by casting the entire situation onto him. And, and you can do it with questions, some that I've shared with you before. What, what is he showing me of himself in this moment? And you don't do that with panic. You do it to the dearest friend that you've ever had or known. What, what, what are you showing me? Open my eyes, Holy Spirit. What, what promise are you giving to me? And serious that as I'm reading Scripture, give me your promise. And it, it, I, I don't mean you're just going to have a lot of snap answers. This is, this is fellowship. This is relationship. And you can be sure within the next hours, maybe minutes, but it, yes, something from Scripture will come into your mind with the impression that the Holy Spirit gives, and you will know that is His promise to you. What, what will you have me pray? How do you want me to pray in this situation? In fact, do you want me involved in this at all? That's a big question. Because maybe the Holy Spirit will whisper in your heart, pray and leave it alone. Somebody else I've given to deal with this. See, <laughs> that for some people that would be very difficult because you, you've always been taught by your ancestors that the whole world's problems are your responsibility, but some are not, you see, they're not. And I say, what do you want me to do about this? And he said, nothing, I've got someone else dealing with this. <laughs> what, what wisdom do I need unique to this moment? What empowerment do I need in this moment? What strength, what comfort? Here I am, Holy Spirit, teach me. And I say, as I said a moment ago, we give thanks even though at this moment we don't see anything, but we just give thanks, oh God. See, he's loving me right now. He's faithful right now. Right now he doesn't leave me or forsake me. And, of course, that means then I'm released from all guilt and condemnation. See, maybe I did something that got myself into this situation. Well, I, I am forgiven. I am released because I'm here now and all the condemnation in the world won't change it. And anyway, God is not the God of condemnation and therefore I, I'm released and I then release everybody else that I would otherwise have blamed and taken great comfort <clears throat> in blaming them, saying it's their fault. No. Even if, it, even if they had something to do with it, we're on to something much bigger here. I'm not interested anymore how we got here. And so I, I forgive, I release those that otherwise I would have blamed. I bring the love of God into this situation. And now I'm looking for something that transcends all of that. What's God doing in this situation? What, what is He, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Who is you in this is? I, I, I might say that you have not seriously prayed about it up until now. Um, 
Why, you, you don't, because your prayers must arise out of your magnifying the Lord. Otherwise, you're praying all your fears and your panic. I have been in prayer meetings, uh, honestly, prayer meetings that I try to avoid, because all they do is pray their problem, and they pray the fears, and they pray the bigness. They're praying the paper over their eye. No, you, you can't pray, you see. Something terrible happens, and then people say, we've got to pray about this. No, no, relax, get a cup of coffee, and let's magnify the Lord until we see the problem in its right perspective. It's only a piece of paper. We've seen the greatness of God. Then you can pray, and you don't pray the problem. You pray the glory of God. You magnify the Lord, and your problem takes its place. And it's, it's what, what are you doing, Lord? You're in charge here. Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20, it's worth a, a read. His enemies came and the situation was desperate because if I, I'd fill in the details that most of his army who would have protected them normally were scattered away on other duties and the enemy is, is about five enemies who have all come together with a common desire to annihilate Jehoshaphat. And they had come by a way that one would say was impossible to navigate, but they had come and therefore took Jehoshaphat totally by surprise when, it, when he's got no one to protect and it says when he received the news, right there, 2 Chronicles 20 in the first verses, it says, Jehoshaphat was afraid. Yeah. He looks at it and his first sense reaction is, I've got to do something. But I can't do anything. Anxiety. And then it says, but he turned his focus, seek the Lord. That is... He's going to magnify God as the only true God. These enemies are not God. I'm magnifying God who is above all of this and in it at the same time. And, and to declare that God has made covenant with him, has sworn an oath of love. And only when he does that, which takes about half the chapter, then he simply presents the enemies into the hands of God and says, you deal with them. And then he says, our eyes are upon you. We do not know what to do. Fantastic. That's what he's doing. Or, or you could go to the Virgin Mary. She receives the word from the angel that she shall be the mother of him who would be the son of God, Messiah, but without a human husband. And when she questions that, the angel says, with God all things are possible. And she accepts that. But then, you know, that what would you be thinking? And remember, she was a girl of about 14 or 15. And, and what kind of thoughts would go through your head as, as you pursue lines of thought of where is this going to lead and where's that going to lead and what will they say and what will he say? And, but out of that, it says, the, in, in fact, we call what she, she said after that, we call it the Magnificat, the Magnify, um, because she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And she made, in her own mind, realized God is, is beyond all thought. I magnify him that he is able to do this and to bring it to pass. And in that fashion, she placed the whole matter in his hands. Paul and Silas, beaten for the sake of the gospel, and beaten in the cruelest way that humans have ever known how to beat others. And then their, their muscles and bones were twisted to be placed into um, stocks that, that held them. Agony. Oh, yes. It was a real situation of agony. What's their response to that? They magnified the Lord. 
and began to praise him, give thanks to him that he was right there and his purpose would be. And there's the earthquake and they're released and so on. The whole of Acts 16 opens up. See, you, you see in a situation what you believe. If you, you believe in this God who loves you, who is with you, whose power is for you, you believe that, then that will change your seeing, what you see in life. All seeing is, is, is totally dependent on the heart and the mind of the one who is looking. I think I shared this the other week with you. The, the ten spies that went into Canaan and they saw the monstrous inhabitants and the impossibility of their task. And what they judged all those there as evil. That is a hardship beyond thought. In fact, they said it was it'd be like putting our lives, families into the mouth of a crocodile. Beyond our capability to handle this. They prophesied their own death and they came back and they turned the whole... Because that sort of stuff sweeps like a prairie fire. But Caleb and Joshua, the two other spies, they were in the same land. They saw the same monstrous people. They saw the same challenge. But they saw it totally differently. They magnified the Lord and his promises. They, they said he promised us. And therefore he is with us. And he's gone before us. He loves us. He's biased toward us. He is with us in power. And, and, and they're so joyous about it. They become sort of cheerful in a happy-go-lucky way. And actually, it's in the scripture that, that Caleb said it's a piece of cake. He said, we're to eat them for lunch, you know. Uh, just a minute. Did you see something different? No. They saw the same thing, but they didn't judge it. They, that's the way it is. But God, in his glory and his magnificence, is... And his is, is greater than that is. If you give focus and attention to evil in the definition I've given that, you will magnify the evil. It will become big enough so the entire studio has disappeared. And in so doing, demagnify the Lord. Well, my time is gone. And would you believe it, we're going to get another week out of this. Because, well, I won't tell you what I'm going to say. It's enough that I magnify the Lord. Remember by thanksgiving. And as you do so, learn. And it will be a learning matter because you have been taught to judge every situation in life since you were a child. Your ancestors, they taught you this. They, they taught you, in fact, that anxiety was a part of life. Well, the Holy Spirit is the teacher of teachers, and He can teach you to transcend. You live from heavenly places, not, not from judging and in heavenly places, you magnify the Lord and see what He's doing and see what if He wants anything from you in this. And if so, He gives you the wisdom and the ability and the insight. Let the Holy Spirit lead you into what for some of you will be hitherto unknown territory, a place where the peace of God that passes all human comprehension keeps your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And now the blessing of God who is almighty love, who is faithful and true and with you, in you, right now. May He bless you with the opening of your eyes that you might wake up to this life in Christ Jesus. So I bless you. I declare that is the way it is.